Hello, Andrew. Steve. Hey. How's it going? You're good. So <laughs> here we are, another Crush the Cargo podcast. Yeah, we, yeah, that's right. It is another week, another podcast. Yeah. And um, yeah, well, you know, we, we couldn't do what we do without the amazing support of our of our listeners and our our um, especially the ones that decided to go over and check our Patreon and support us that way. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep, good point. Yeah, but, but hey, anyway, it's been another week and there's been another interview. Yeah, well, there will be. Oh, okay, there has been, um, but you don't know that yet, so there will be. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. So tell me, tell me, what were you doing when you were 17? What was I doing when I was 17? Um, good question. I was probably... Um, Yeah, no, well, actually 17, that would have been my last year of high school. Uh, no, my second last year of high school, 96. So I would have been at Southland Boys High School. I was one of the non-rugby playing people at the school. Um, but in, in saying that, I did play half a season of rugby in third form. Okay, yeah. Which was, um, for our younger listeners, like we call years formed. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. So well, we had to... What were we doing when you were 20 then? How about that? 20? Oh, I'll give you a funny story about when I was 19. Oh, no, that's good. That's good. 19's good. Yeah, well, oh, I got I got busted for underage drinking when I was 19 in Arrowtown. And then it was um, maybe like a month or two after that that they put the drinking age down to 18. So, oh, yeah. Did you have to so that time? No, no. Um, oh, no, I think... No, I think they're just scaring me. Oh, because I got busted for underage drinking and had to pay a fine. I think it was about $30. Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. too bad. Have you got any other convictions? Uh, no. No, I haven't. What about you? None that I know of. Huh. Well, what, how would there be one that you did know of? Well, no. I suppose I wouldn't know of it, wouldn't I? Yeah. Oh, I haven't used my diversion yet. I've still got that. I've still got that card to play. Well, they didn't have diversions back then. Yeah, well, but, but well, well, back then there's like the good old days where if you know if um, things like oh no, you you got busted drinking and driving, they'd just take your keys off you and and give you a lift home or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. But that doesn't happen so much these days. No, it doesn't. Anyway, yeah, any I ask what you were doing when you were 20 because this week's guest is now only just 20. Right. Has she achieved as much as I have? Uh, no, she hasn't. Oh, well, I didn't ask, but I don't think she's been busted for underage drinking. Well, well, to be fair, like, by the time I was 20, I hadn't really done a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's walked the tarted eye from all of South Island. She spent Which two directions? Months. Northbound or southbound? I don't know. I think it was northbound. Yeah, yeah. And she's spent, she did the Southern Alps Traverse from um, Field uh, Arthur's Pass to Fiordland, so that's southbound. So does that include Mount Cook? Well, I, I don't know if I actually asked her if she went Mount, up Mount Cook, but they did go around Mount Cook, yeah. Yeah, well, I think... You and Eugene are going to have to go to interviewing school, aren't you? I know. Look, there was so much I could have asked her, mate, but 
Uh, I'll tell you what, we should get we, we should get you Eugene back on the show and we get a few we'll get a bit of coaching from him. Can give That's you a, a really good idea. I'll ask Eugene. But there's so yeah. much I could have asked her because I, I thought at the end, like this is just kind of blow away material. And if you want to hear more, what? just listen to it again. Right, yeah. Wow, wow. It sounds um intriguing. So who 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 is this uh, this, this um young 20-year-old? Maddie Whitaker. Right, okay. Yeah. Cool. She's yeah. she's um I think she's been to crush the cargo, so she must be cool. And she's done that. Well, full credit to her. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Oh, well, I suppose we're not going to get a, you know, seeing it's all pre-recorded. Did you ask her about what her shittest run was? No. Nope. <laughs> right. Have you have you had a run in the past week that you didn't enjoy? Me? Um, yeah, probably uh, my run before park run on Saturday. Right. Oh, you did. You went for a run before park. That was a bit... Um, yeah, it was all on road, and I was a bit tired, and it was six o'clock in the morning. I didn't really enjoy it. Oh, okay, fair enough. So that's your shit run. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I ran around um, Lake Boyhola on Sunday afternoon, so I decided to wait until it got hot, and then ran around um, Lake Boyhola. So it encompassed a fair bit of running on the the, the main highway, and then. Um, and I think I got around to about Henley, or I had about six k's to go. I'd run out of water by that point. So yeah. by the time I actually um, got into Waihola, I was I was walking, and I had to had to sort of keel over for a bit of a puke on the footpath. Oh no! Is so that, that dehydration or heat stroke, or is that the same thing? Uh, it's probably heat stroke. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, when I got. When I got to the when I got to Waihola, I um I downed a can of uh, Red Bull and then had a milkshake and I was better after that. <laughs> Good man. Yeah, so that was my shittiest run of the week. Well, it's shittier than mine. <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't get heat stroke. Oh uh, well, I did get sunburned actually yesterday. Oh okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, sunburn up here. Oh, yeah. As a doctor, I thought you'd be more careful. About well, I normally am, but I didn't think it was that hot, and I was doing an orientation run for three pigs. Have, have you ever done surgery on yourself? Uh, that might be going back to what I was doing when I was twenty. But... Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was just thinking about uh, when you're doing about sunstroke on your uh, no sunburn on your on your back. You got to be careful. You get a lot of moles and things like yeah. that. You know, it's so it got me true. thinking about there's that there's that doctor down in the South Pole a few years back who got um she had to do an operation on herself. Oh. There's not enough to do it. But um yeah, I'm just wondering. So you have not since your twenties. No, no. They weren't yeah. proper operations. Well anyway, we're digressing, aren't we? We are digressing. I think we should get on with the show. Oh, I can't wait. Maddie, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. <laughs> Welcome to the Crush the Cargill podcast. Oh, thank you. I mean, I couldn't think of a, a better podcast to be on. <laughs> oh, you you honour us. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you at the moment? Um, I'm currently sitting outside the Tiano Library. <laughs> You're in Tiano? I am, yeah. I've just come out from uh, a week of climbing in Fiordland. Um, yeah. yeah, just got out this morning, so yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So where were you? Climbing? Yeah, 
um, a lot around, I guess, like the Homer Tunnel kind of area. There's a whole lot of awesome granite rock in there. So just doing a bunch in there for last week. Yeah. Yep. Do you know, there's, there's an old posties route over um, the top of Homer Tunnel, isn't there? Yeah, there sure is. That's a really good time. It's, have, it's awesome. Have you done it? I, did, I have done it a, a couple of years ago now. Um, it's really cool. It's, it's awesome, actually. Um, a six-year-old did it just recently while we were here, which is real cool. Absolute crusher. <laughs> yeah, well, incredible. So that's, that's the way the postman used to deliver the mail to Milford Sound, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think of, like, how isolated it was before there was a tunnel. It's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> You've been getting into some fairly isolated places quite a lot recently. Yeah, that's where it's at. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, really, I really like being out where you have, like, a deep sense of wild. I think it's um, not only, like, really, like, replenishing for, like, your soul and whatnot, um, but it's just... It's kind of epic just doing what you really love with like huge vistas and feeling really small and humbled by it all. It's yeah, that's why I go out to do stuff, I think. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about the Southern Alps Traverse. Yeah, so that that was a dream that I guess started maybe like mid-2019. Um, I said to my friend Toria, um, and I was like, oh, you know, should we should we do a Southern Alps Traverse? Just kind of like just brought it up in the blue and we're like oh yeah okay we'll do that this summer and then sort of work and other things happen and it did end up happening happening at the end of 2019 so then at the start of 2020 we were like okay we're going to commit to this and make it happen this year um and then we recruited um Tom Hadley and Connor Varson and the four of us did a traverse from um Arthur's Pass south um so Connor and I did two months um of our traverse was two months and then Tom and Toria um so were so psyched on it that they continued on for another month and they're actually probably coming out in the next day or two which is really exciting um and yeah we pretty much just prepped for like lockdown and all that you've got to dehydrate a whole lot of food we had like 11 food drops and yeah just following the spine of the southern alps as close as it as closely as you could um we were particularly excited about really remote areas so um we sort of made an effort to go through some places that don't really get traveled through all that often and had because of that had some chances to put up new routes on some peaks and stuff like that which was really cool um yeah it's it just a privilege to get to like spend that amount route. of time out yeah were, were they brand new routes up yeah so um one of the places we went through yeah so like one of the peaks we did um just hadn't been climbed at all from the valley that we climbed it from which is pretty exciting and it wasn't like a difficult climb it was just no one really gets into there because it's so remote so that was quite cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> so two, two months how, how many and you said 11 food drops um so it's 11 food drops for the the full three months so oh, yeah. i think for the for the two the two months maybe we use like six or seven yeah and the other couple are in place there um and we'll go back and do that that other month that the other guys have done because it sounds super rad we'll do that in future yeah so yeah it's awesome and i mean we went into it with with you know prime fitness from doing three peaks plus one so i mean it was bound to be a success <laughs> connor hasn't it yet though no he hasn't yeah that was that was quite interesting actually so he couldn't do 
three peaks because of a knee injury but he went into the traverse and we were like we weren't really sure what was going to happen but now his knee held out for it which is awesome yeah so it's a bit of a gamble <laughs> tell him he still has a um, deferred entry for uh, three peaks if he wants to take it up yeah yeah I'm I'm super psyched for it. it's quite cool actually I came back from the traverse and I went for a run and not having like a 20 kg pack on anymore I just felt like I was floating with every step so I'm really excited to try and use some of the endurance that you build up from two months of of like yeah huge elevation gain every day and all of that and see how that translates into running it's gonna be quite cool yeah <laughs> speaking of elevation gain did you get any any numbers the uh, tra traverse for two months oh i'm not sure what our total would be but we definitely did like at least a thousand meters every day i'd yeah. say um and some days more like it's it's it would be like a standard thing to be like oh yeah we've got a thousand meters here and then another like 400 later in the afternoon and maybe 200 just before dinner something like that like yeah it's you kind of stop noticing the hills which is really cool um yeah. i always i wondered like how the like as you're getting used to it, how your body would react. And yeah, it just got to the point and be like, oh yeah, it's just a hill, just like another little bit of admin. And, yeah. and then, yeah, oh, you're on top of it, which is really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. so that's quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> did, could you, you planned a route and I, I, I understand yeah. you're going to, if the weather packed in and stuff, you had to make some, some, some detours and stuff. Did you have to make many detours? Um. We made, so the first like month was the nature of the terrain we were moving through. Um, I guess it would be more described as transalpine than high alpine. So um, sort of like moving through the alpine, but not at like the highest elevation. So a lot of the time, if there was bad weather, you could either still do it or you could like dip down into a valley beside it. Uh, we worked pretty hard to um, stick to our route as closely as possible and because of that, Sometimes it was like, oh, okay, we really need to get to our next food drop because we're running out of food and the weather's bad. But, oh, it's not bad from, like, this afternoon until tomorrow, like, first thing. So we'd, like, walk from 3 p.m. until 3 a.m. so that we had good enough weather to, like, go over a pass or something. Um, so you can be creative with it and still and stick to your line quite closely, which was cool. Um, but we definitely had some interesting weather as well, um, like, sitting out storms on ridges and stuff like that was certainly quite awe-inspiring to be in the southern alps and there's like thunderstorms and stuff like that i guess you don't really experience that as much if you're always going out when it's good weather um so that was something i found really special but then when we moved into the second month we didn't really get to move through the weather as as much because we we're in the high alpine around mount cook where it's like you really can't be out when it's like a full storm because you just oh we're cracking up I think I've lost you. Tiano, uh, Wi-Fi may not be so good. It's not going to end well. So we sort of ended up having to wait like five days in a hut there. And oh, uh, is that oh. a little bit better now? Uh, yeah, is maybe that a little bit clearer. Pause your video. I think. Don't worry about the video. Okay. Yep. Cool. Okay. So How about that? Is that better yeah. now? Yep, that's good. Um, where, did you, where did you last year? Um, back at High Alpine. Um, um, what what did I last say? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> I came through. 
I'll move a little, I'll move a little bit closer. Um, high alpine, yeah. With the with the high alpine terrain, you, I guess, oh, it's cracking up. Is that a bit better? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With the high alpine, um, you can't really be out in bad weather because it's just not going to end well. So we had to sort of wait things out in huts like for five days of time here and there and that sort of broke up your rhythm a bit because um, yeah. you'd sort of be waiting and then suddenly you'd be like go 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 so that was like a different kind of um intensity and yeah that was it was quite cool to have both um yeah. and yeah I think that I think it was definitely quite challenging in the high alpine because you you have to get up at like 2 or 3 a.m to be able to move through the snow before this it sort of gets too warm and starts avalanching so getting up at that time over and over again and doing huge days is certainly pushes your bodies in ways that you don't you don't realize if you're doing it day after day like I'd only sort of done it for a weekend or three three or four days before getting up consistently at that time so yeah, yeah that was that was something I definitely learned yeah <laughs> wow. so um you know yeah. was there avalanche risk in many areas yeah so I think one of the when we in the first couple of weeks when it was still um, like earlier season and um, stormy and whatnot, we we definitely had a couple of like we saw quite a few big avalanches happen from storms. Yeah. Um, and actually, like had some close close calls with some of that. And then later on, it wasn't so much bigger avalanches, but just when the sun gets on stuff, it warms up, and then you just get lots of little little avalanches that like aren't enough to bury a person but they might be enough to knock you off your feet and if you're in steep terrain and that's not so good um so it's like I think a lot of people are so just happening straight after storms but actually it's just like from 10 a.m or 9 a.m on a lot of these slopes they just get sunbaked and then you can't be on them until the sun's off them again so even in the good weather there's still challenges with that that was probably one of the biggest risks we had to manage yeah. Oh, right. So, so you'd hit you you get going at two or three in the morning and then stop about eight or nine. Yeah. So, well, we try and make it that like, um, uh, you'd get up at like two or three in the morning, go down the really steep stuff or like avalanche threatened stuff, and then you might get into terrain that's um, that's not as avalanche threatened or as lower angle, so it's it's not so much of an issue. Um, and move through that for the rest of the day but we did have um, one section where we, yeah, we got up at two and, walk, and we were going until uh, 10 and then the slopes were warming up too much so we like yeah set up camp had a wee nap and then when the sun moved off the slope at four or five p.m and it started firming up again then we got going and we actually went all night while it was cool and got to the hut the next morning at 7 a.m. That Whoa. was a little bit of an epic. <laughs> oh, just yeah. at once, did you? <laughs> it was quite special, though. Um, well, it was actually quite funny because we did, we did that. It's like an all-nighter. But then um, then the next day, we, we had like a little got to the hut at 7, slept that day. And then the next day, we ended up having a, another 24-hour epic but not because of snow, just like really ended up stuck in this really thick West Coast scrub. Um, and it just, we're moving like 50 meters an hour. Um, so we're like, oh, this is taking so long. 
Um, and then Tom Spencer was meeting us for New Year's at this hut in um, the Copeland Valley at the head of it. Oh, yeah. And we, yeah, we felt really bad because we, we missed meeting him for New Year's because we were stuck in the scrub. So he had New Year's by himself waiting for us, which was a little bit sad. Um, <laughs> but then when we turned up, he, he had bought in a watermelon for us. So it was, oh. yeah, that was really worthwhile. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just remember being like in the trees. We finally got into the bush and we were bush bashing where we were going like a couple of hundred meters an hour. And Tom Hadley just turns around to me and he's like, this is running pace in comparison to what we've been doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So- running certainly feels feels fast now you're yeah. like wow it's you can just go everywhere so much faster when you're not like bush bashing and dragging the pack and <laughs> yeah especially when yeah. people put trails all over the place too yeah 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 i've heard those make it quicker <laughs> <laughs> you try them sometime <laughs> yeah <laughs> see what it's all about <laughs> yeah so um so it was Maddie, you, Tom, and um, Toria and Connor. How old are you guys? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've just turned 20, and Tom's 21, and Toria and Connor are 24. Oh, they're old. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, ancient, yeah. <laughs> the liabilities of the group. <laughs> oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're no wonder you've got to watch those knees, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> exactly yeah no it's pretty cool I think um like the Southern Alps traverses there's there's usually a party that does one each year but the routes are always really different mm-hmm. um like some people are more into the subalpine and some people are more into the high alpine but I think we're one of the youngest groups to have done to have done a route in one of the higher alpine traverses that has been done so that was quite exciting um yeah. Yeah, and it was one of the really cool things I think about preparing for all of this was a lot of the places we were going were so remote and they're not really in guidebooks or stuff like that. So I ended up calling up a lot of these sort of like old transalpine and mountaineering legends. I say old, they're not old, but they're like 40, 50. Um, <laughs> and, thank you, thank you. and getting to talk to them about their, about their stories and that was really cool like connecting with a whole lot of people and finding out all this information that's that's sort of yeah just got to be spread by word of mouth and it makes you realize how much is out there but not written down um yeah so that was really cool I think that was one of the cool things about it um yeah skeptics did you have a few people who are worried that you're biting off more than you could chew yeah, definitely. I think Tom posted like a thing of our route before we went because we had a lot of questions about it. So we're like, oh, we'll just post something rather than having to respond to each person individually. Um, and there were definitely lots of people commenting being like, oof, that's pretty big. Like you're in big country. Or I think somebody said to me like, oh, um, for this one section where we ended up putting up the new routes, they're like, oh, maybe you just need to like settle down a bit and accept like, you know, that the rest of the traverse is, is really cool and you, you know, you can't have everything. That section's a bit big. And then we just went there and crushed it. So that was quite cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, awesome. I, I think I think you've got to go in and try. Like, dream big and then go, go after it. And either you'll go and have an awesome time trying to get there or you'll make it happen. That's yeah. kind of the mentality I think I apply to a lot of things. That's why I entered, like, my first ultra how, when I first started.
Oh no, we can't lose climbing that. Climbing big peaks, it was kind of like, oh, found safe in the mountains as well. Sorry, um, sorry, Maddie. You're, you're... We'll just go back to what was your first ultra? Um, oh, I think it's why I, why I entered like the first sort of longer races. It was just like, oh, I'll just go and see what happens. It was Mount Summers first, and then Crush the Cargill. Um, no, not Crush the Cargill. Um, Three Peaks plus one was actually my first official ultra. Right. Um, but like. Yeah, just I think that attitude of just going and seeing what will happen is, yeah, you end up getting to do lots of cool stuff. Um, and it also does keep you safe in the mountains as well, because rather than being like, I'm set on this objective and I'm going to go after it at all costs, yeah. you're kind of like, okay, I'll just go and have a great time and see what happens. If I get halfway up and decide to turn around, that's cool. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's a really good sort of mindset to have. Um, if you're doing this kind of game, yeah. You, you don't worry about DNF so much as as, as uh, runners, obviously. No, no. It, yeah, like I was quite quite sick before entering three peaks, and so I wasn't really sure how it was going to go. But it was like, oh well, I'll just go and do it, and um, yeah. If I if I don't finish, then it's still going to have been an awesome day out, whatever section I get to do of it. Um, yeah, and then it went really well, so it was great. Gratitude. <laughs> Hey, how did how did this all start? Did you like grow up in the mountains and tramping and things like that? Not, not at all. So I had never tramped before the start of 2018. So um, that was the end Ooh. of my high school. Yeah. Um, I grew up in um, in Auckland and was very much like I was definitely one of those kids that sort of studied and that was it. Um, and yeah, just wasn't really into the outdoors at all. I started running a little bit in high school just sort of like you run around town five to ten k sort of thing but nothing nothing trails or anything like that and then I moved down to the South Island and I went on Outward Bound um and that just like blew my mind and opened up this whole like outdoors thing and I just got really into it I came home from Outward Bound and then just pretty much have gone out every single weekend since um and then I guess I like changed my degree from physics to studying ecology because I just loved, I wanted to find out more about the environments I was in. And then I started being out at work, you know, in remote places as well. So I ended up now spending about 220 days a year in the backcountry. Um, so, and I think because of that, like there's a, there's a huge amount of time every year. So you're able to grow quite quickly um, if you're spending that amount of time. And so I think that's how I've ended up where I am in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. 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 And and I understand that after Outward Bound, you did that. You walked the um, South Island part of the uh, Tauraroa. Yeah, I did. That was really cool. Um, I did. I based it around the the South Island section. So I did most of the. I did all of the South Island trail, but I sort of tacked on lots of side trips as I went. To I like to think of it as the TA being like a pathway to link up all of these national parks that I wanted to explore. So yeah. it was just like doing it all on foot for a summer. Um, and that was really cool. I think um, I think that amount of time outside, especially like if some of it solo and whatnot, um, definitely just helps build up your confidence in being out there. Um, you know, walking in the dark by yourself isn't scary anymore. Or yeah, I think just lots of time on moderate terrain is hugely valuable. Yeah. So you were like a 17-year-old walking the TA in large sections of it on your own? Um, re not, not large sections, but like 
I had I had friends come and join me um, for parts of it, and I had a couple of friends that came for like a month at a time. Um, so it's sort of like I'd have periods by myself, but they would be sort of in between people coming. Um, yeah, but most if I had someone there, it would just be me and one other person. Um, yeah, but it was really cool, just just awesome, um, a really great base. Yeah, I just find that fascinating. You know, you're a seventeen year old, come from Auckland, and here you are. <laughs> out in the um even for a few days on your own somewhere in the southern yeah. south island um what was that like yeah oh, i think it's really i think it was just really empowering um i think that was the biggest biggest thing it's just like beautiful incredible places and like you're like wow i can get to all these really cool places and just really i don't know built you up built up my sense of wonder um my self-esteem i think skyrocketed um, which is like a really cool thing to have because I think a lot of people come out of high school with not that much self-esteem um, and so yeah I think it really set me up in like all aspects of life um, yeah. but I think it, I think one of the biggest things is you have a lot of time in your head when you're in the hills um, and so you quickly figure out like if there's something about yourself that you don't like or that you feel like you need to work on because it doesn't sit right so I think a lot of time in the hills and especially that like the summers we have long periods of walking you you really grow quite a lot in your character and become more of the person that you want to be because you're like oh I don't like that and you, and you kind of have to fix it otherwise it's not enjoyable to be in your head all the time um and so that's one of the things that I really like about climbing mountaineering tramping running any of that it just really grows you as a person um yeah it's, it's awesome well, certainly have lots of time to think and process. Not much time to um, send dirty emails if you get in a bad mood. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man, I, I had to change my voicemail on my phone the other day, and it's just like, they're like, hi, you've reached Maddie. I'm, I'm probably out of reception, and maybe for some time, but I'll get back to you when I can. I've, I've got so many unread messages. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite bad. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to get you an hour between mountains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was quite funny, actually. You'd be like, oh, yeah, when are you free in the next month? Ah, uh, in a month. <laughs> yeah, thanks for your patience. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you talk yeah, about it's definitely, I think I live... Oh, yeah, you go. You go, you go. Oh, I, I feel like I definitely live, um, my like my life revolves a little bit around weather windows. So it'll be like, everything's kind of a little bit flexible because you kind of want to be able to drop everything and go off and climb whenever the good weather comes. Um, so that's kind of a, a different way of doing life as well compared to what I used to, I used to be someone who's very organized and structured with time. And now I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to commit to that because it might be good weather then. And I might want to go climbing. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 So um, you mentioned you, you changed your study to ecology and it gave yeah. you a lot of time outdoors. What are you studying? Um, so I'm just about to start a master's in ecology working with Kia, um, looking at sort of where they, where they, how they move around between juvenile and as they grow up. Um, but yeah, I, I had a lot of friends who um, studied ecology, people who I tramped and climbed with, and they had this amazing sense of wonder for everything that was around them. And they sort of understood how they fitted into the environments that they were moving through. And I just thought it was really cool and kind of wanted to, I, I wanted some of that. And so I added it as a minor originally. And then I just totally fell in love with it. And so changed my major to that. 
um and yeah it's really cool I feel like I've learned such a lot um and yeah I've ended up being out of work in remote islands in Fiordland and um yeah pretty much get paid to do what I love to do for my recreation which is pretty special I really feel like I've hit the jackpot with that and feel really lucky to have to have a passion in my recreation and a passion in my work and have found that at quite a young age I think that's really cool yeah, yeah that's pretty awesome I mean I'm, I'm just finding it now because I managed to win a prize for running up Mount Cargill it's kind of the same awesome thing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, that's pretty good um so Kia that's um so convenient <laughs> yeah yeah well it's, it's really cool like a lot of the I pretty much picked a master's that would enable me to have a lot of field work so a lot of the I've, in November I did a bunch of um Kia field work and you you just get to go into like the high alpine mountains mountains in Fiordland and just like yeah run around after birds and climb up cliffs and look for nests is great um I really like the bird work that's what I'm most excited about so you know rock wren, kakapo, kia, kiwi it's yeah takahe it's really special um getting to be in places where the bird life is so rich um yeah it'd be nice to see more of New Zealand like that again it would yeah it would be quite fascinating to see it the way it used to be yeah definitely yeah Mower and giant eagles and yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah some kakapo just bopping around in your backyard. Yeah. So you did, um, <laughs> last summer you were, um, where were you doing the kakapo research? Um, so that was on Anchor Island, which is um, at the mouth of Dusky Sound mm. in Fiordland. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a pretty small island. You've got like a wee hut out there and then, yeah, you're just doing sort of running around catching birds, checking out their health. There's only 206 kākāpō in existence. So they're sort of monitored pretty closely, especially around the breeding season, which is when I was out there. Um, so there's, there's lots of work to be doing. Um, and then I also spent some time up on the Haast range, which is the, it goes, it's the range that goes from Haast to Aspiring, up in there looking for rock wren um, as well. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then I, I've done a bunch of trapping work in dusky sound and actually this week I'm flying out to um doubtful sound to do some of that as well so that's a that's an integral part of um I guess any any conservation work with birds is you've also got to deal with the predators so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know flying and going to these places do you ever get sick of taking photos <laughs> I've actually just started getting really into photography um <laughs> Oh, it was so cool. This last week, I managed to take my first, like, successful star photo, um, like, in the mountains. I think I think what I really enjoy about the photos is that I guess I, I do – I have the privilege of going to some places that a lot of the people I love can't get to. Um, and so the photos are kind of a way to bring that home and share some of that with them. Um, and, yeah, some of my family and friends and stuff like that, they, they seem to get a lot from it and be able to have a, a sense of wonder and – um, inspiration from that without necessarily being them, there themselves and so that's something cool that I feel like I can share um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've um, noticed how a lot of my friends overseas have picked up on my trail running photos as a as a way of vicariously getting outdoors yeah definitely I think you have to be like careful that you're doing it for the right reasons like I think you can share stuff 
and it can be yeah something empowering that builds up a community and gets people um out there and like a sense of fellowship and whatever activity you're doing um as long as it's like that sort of stuff and not like oh look how cool I am with what I'm doing sort of self-glorification stuff that's when I think you have to be careful with sharing a whole lot of stuff but I feel like in general people in the outdoors community are, are just sharing it because they're just so stoked and just want to share the joy and that's super special yeah yeah good I, I saw the trailer of a little video that you've made. You've, you've yeah. taken video footage from the Southern Alps Traverse. Yeah. Yeah. Video is something that I've got into in the last, like, I think year or so. Um, I found for me when I make a video of um, something, you know, I've got the, you've got the people's laughter and the wind and the, you know, crunch of crampons on fresh snow. And uh, it's a bit more, I find it a bit more fully immersing. Um, and so I, and, and a, a really rich way to share it with people as well. So I took a whole lot of footage on this and um, I'm quite excited to sort of create a bit more of like a Banff style film. So rather than just a whole lot of shots of beautiful places, because that's cool, but it doesn't tell a story as much as, you know, getting the people and their, all their highs and all their lows. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of footage there and sort of piecing that together to tell a story properly, I think will be quite a challenge and take quite a while. So I think it'll take a few months to really do it justice, but I'm quite excited to do that process and um, yeah, yeah, be able to share, share our journey a bit more richly with people yeah. um, when that comes out. Because two months of stuff, it's so hard to, you know, people ask you, oh, how was your traverse? And you're like, where do I even start? So um, yeah, it's kind of a cool way. To, it's also a cool way to process it for me as well, I think. Um, yeah, just the yeah, creative I, process of it is really exciting too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I get that. I, I really enjoyed the trailer. I thought that I can see a story is um, it's wrapped up inside there. And and I mean, uh, you talk about the highs and the lows. I, I uh, you know, the dancing, the 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 foot skiing, the um, <laughs> dipping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm someone I'm, going I hate the west coast <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think as well like I went into it thinking that the things that would be difficult would be the, you know the physical hardships of being out in the you know day after day in the, the cold or the rain or whatnot but really those were insignificant um like I think the emotional um challenge of being out for that long was quite significant and so I'm quite excited to explore that um when I make this film and be be reasonably vulnerable with it because I think so often and um with expeditions and things like that it's people only show the moments when they're feeling strong and it can kind of be like oh you know everyone that's climbing mountains is is super strong and put together and always having a great time but actually sometimes it can be really hard, not not because of the physical stuff, but just in your own head. And um, so I think being being honest and vulnerable with that is probably, yeah, even more valuable um, and empowering for myself and for other people. So I'm quite excited to to sort of share a bit more of that side of things. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, that'd be incredible. I mean, um, <laughs> uh, on top of the emotional. Up highs and lows you know it was four of you stuck together in very close quarters for, for well I mean you're on all of the southern Alps but at times you were stuck in a tent for a while and yeah yeah well it's so Tom and Tori are a couple 
Um, yeah. And yeah, Connor and I became a couple. Oh, <laughs> really? Is because you had to? <laughs> um, oh, I, I think it could have been something that was bound to happen at some point. Um, but yes, it, it was definitely, I think there were, there were times where we did get frustrated with each other, not like having fights or stuff like that, because we're such good friends that... Yeah. It, yeah it's not so much like that but there'd definitely be times where you'd be like a little bit of tension or you'd be kind of like I just want to walk by myself for a bit because I just I just can't be around these people anymore for I just need an hour of my own time um and yeah but I think it was cool going into it with people who are like like almost like family um and so even if you do have tension or stuff like that you know that like ultimately your love for each other is always going to be greater than that and so at the end of the day it's always you're always laughing about whatever it was I think yeah going into it with people I had a really strong bond with yeah yeah oh that's incredible I mean I I I I, I uh, imagine your communication skills um between each other would have to be very um good and you'd have to yeah understand each other very well or learn to Oh, no, we've lost you again. Oh, hello. Ah, hello. Am I back? Hi. Well, I, was just, I was just saying that um, I imagine your communication between each other would have to be very, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, I think there was something that we definitely learned as well. I think our communication wasn't, wasn't the strongest in the first couple of weeks and then like we had a few times where little misunderstandings sort of became significant things just because we weren't communicating. And so we like definitely worked through that and our communication improved hugely. Um, and so that was cool. I think that's something that I'll carry with me to any sort of team thing that I have in future. Um, yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a lot in, in, in what you do that is good for all of life. It's quite, I mean, you've talked about a lot of it already, but yeah. Um, that's another totally I think like I always remember this at um on Outward Bound one of my instructors once said to me I don't know we're like rowing in the rain at night or something like this um and he was like oh you can be cold wet and miserable or you can just be cold and wet and I think I think that's the biggest thing that I I take away from the outdoors is yeah you you, you actually have so much power over how you respond to to stuff that's tough um yeah and I think if you if you're practicing all the time in the mountains being like having a great time even when stuff is hard then you come back into your everyday life and it's it's almost a habit um yeah, yeah which is quite yeah. cool yeah that's this how how do you um I mean I, I I totally get that you know um it's I hear it in, in tough trail running events too people say it is what it is um yeah we can control what we can make of it we can't change, change it yeah um, totally but you know then then you go back into into um i guess society and um social media and you know you hear people griping about things how do you how do you handle that i think oh hmm, it, it definitely was hard coming back um I, I often find there's if you're away for quite a period there's a, a little bit of a tough transition time when you get back where it's like ah people are like people you just feel like people are fussing so much about insignificant stuff or um just being so judgmental of of everything but if 
yeah, that's the, I sort of struggle with that when I come back into society. I'm like, ah, bit of a shock with that. But I think what I've learned is that the people that I admire most are the people who are just, whatever they're doing, they're just authentic to themselves and doing it. Um, whether they're completely stoked about running or climbing mountains or if it's like they're just super stoked on, I don't know, quilting. Um, yeah, I, I just have huge respect for anyone that's just being really real and going after what they really love. And I think if you really strongly believe that, then you can almost like be a little bit immune to, um, or yeah, grow a bit of a, t- a tougher skin that makes you less, that makes you more resistant to the influence of sort of social media and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's definitely like, it's definitely hard and it's there. I definitely get sucked into it sometimes as well, being like, oh, you know, I, I should be doing this or that, or you can almost get sucked into a little bit of a um, pressure to perform as well, I think, being like, oh, I'm going out, I need to do something cool um, sort of thing. I think that's the risk that I, the things that I sort of struggle with, the social media and stuff like that is feeling like, yeah, need to perform and stuff. So this week actually was really cool. We're out climbing, but some of the days we're out, we're like, actually, we just feel like lying in the sun today. And so just like doing that and not feeling like we always had to be doing, doing, doing something cool, um, but actually just being in the places. So it's something I need to keep working on as well and continually remind myself of. Oh, don't yeah. Wheel, don't wheel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what, what's um, on big plans coming up? What's next? Um, well, I'm currently really excited about uh, rock climbing and and running. I think I'm looking forward to this next season of like the next couple of months being, yeah, doing a whole lot of rock climbing and a whole lot of running. Those kind of go quite well together um, and then get really strong and fit um, for winter. And then in winter, there's the ice climbing, which is what I'm, I'm most excited about. Um, yeah, snow and ice is, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I, what I live for, I think. Um, so, yeah, yeah, just getting, getting lots, building up lots of skills and just having a great time until, until the winter and then hopefully getting out and doing some big routes um, on the big mountains. Big ice routes would be really cool. Yeah. Cool. Have you, have you considered mountain running? So, you know, more snow. Yeah. Yeah. So we ran, it was in 2019, we, we ran the restart, but we did it in the middle of winter, which is such an adventure. Um, like we just put like crampons on our running shoes. I think we had like 12K of really deep snow. That was awesome. And that was kind of like what made me really excited about getting into longer stuff because I didn't like I'd only ever run 20k before I did that and then we just kind of tried it and it happened and it, it went in a day and that's like 64k I think yeah, that um, like it would have hurt in deep snow <laughs> <laughs> oh it, I don't know it's just I think when I see snow I just get like completely fizzed up and so the kilometers just fly by it's like I'm in my zone when I'm in the snow um but I think how I've combined my excitement for like running like that and being in the high mountains is kind of doing a lot of fast packing. So it's like taking a 16 liter pack and doing like a three or four day trip that might take people. Usually people would do the same thing in like 10 days or something like that. Or we did like a 24 hour one on a trip that people usually do in like four to six days and just, yeah, really light pack and just going 
exploring and fast and you run where you can you, you're doing like thousands and thousands of meters of vert so you also walk a lot of it um but you can just move really fast and feel like a kid exploring i think that's kind of like the middle ground between running and and mountaineering that i've sort of found and i really enjoy that that's great yeah and it's cool to see people pushing pushing what they can do in that sort of realm as well like um alistair mcdowell did like a southern alps traverse um but he did it from Arthur's Pass to Mount Cook in six days, just taking really light pack and doing a lot of running a lot of it. Um, and so that's really cool. It's like a new kind of a new area that not that much has been done in. So lots of people were like getting really excited and trying it out in, in lots of remote places and seeing how far they can sort of go with it. And it's quite exciting. Um, yeah. yeah. No, good. Oh, uh, thanks heaps for your time. Um, no worries um this has been really cool talk and i think i think i could talk to you about some of these topics for ages so <laughs> maybe again thank, yeah thank you so much for listening as well it's no problem. yeah it's really cool that when people when people want to hear stories and um yeah it's it's special to have a community that wants to share yeah share what other people are doing can I yeah. can I take your the trailer for your video your movie on the um show? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Yeah. I look forward to the to the final polished product coming. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Look forward to seeing you in March. Yeah, that's right. And, and tell Connor to sign up. Yeah, I will. <laughs> this week, this week would be best. <laughs> okay, I will. Thanks, heaps. Thanks, Nettie. <laughs> See Bye. you later. Bye.